Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And man, do we have a doozy for you. <laughs> the catchphrase. The permanent catchphrase. It's fine. Can't stop, won't stop. Uh, well, I don't really have any true crime news before we record to you. Or before nope. we dive into it. No, um, nothing new on Moscow from the last time we met. Same old nothing, basically. No answers to any of my questions. Still losing sleep at night. So, no, I don't, I don't think there's any really new tri- true crime news out there for the things we've been focusing on. Yeah, I haven't seen anything new either. Uh, So the thing I just really can't get past is I keep seeing all these TikToks from the Moscow attack and Moscow murders um, breaking down the timeline. And right now, the timeline looks like, from what I've seen the last few ones, it's like nine, ten minutes that this man really had to, like, commit these murders. And it's just really confusing me. Like, there's no way. Yeah, I don't know. Nothing makes sense. I did see a couple TikToks that uh, also went over, like, the timeline of it. And I was like, I don't know about all this, but I don't know. No idea. Yeah, it's like a, it's a real head scratcher to me. I don't really have any answers. Ex- and I like we said before, we just have more questions right now. But that's my current obsession is watching those TikToks and being like, how? <laughs> None of this makes sense. Literally. (laughs) But that's all I wanted to comment on. I have no other updates as well. It's unfortunate. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about it over the next, you know, year plus. (laughs) For sure. A thousand percent. That's the only thing I'm going to talk about. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, I guess I will dive on into this for us. We have talked many times about cases where people disappear into thin air and how this is one of the many things that keeps both of us up at night. Today, we will discuss a case that definitely is a head-scratcher, with much being known prior to the disappearance, but little being known after. Obviously, if you are looking at this episode and you're listening, you see the name. So, the two people we'll be talking about today are Danielle Imbo and Richard Pertone Jr. Danielle was 34 and it was the year 2005. She lived in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, which despite being in Jersey is actually considered a suburb of Philadelphia since it's so close to the Pennsylvania border. I thought you would appreciate that, Sid, since uh, your area is considered a suburb of Chicago, even though you're in Wisconsin. (laughs) I do love that. I really appreciate that. I, I get those fun fact. <laughs> I fight with people about that regularly. <laughs> well, at the time, Danielle was actually separated from her ex-husband or husband. I saw multiple reports that they either had just gone through the divorce or were going through it and were separated. Either way, they were estranged and not necessarily on good terms. Danielle was seeing Richard and she had a son 
who at the time was about a year and a half, almost two. And she had a great job in the mortgage industry, like a really good career, lived in this condo with her son. She was called Danny by her friends. And when she had re when she had separated from her husband, she reconnected with Richard. So the two actually knew each other for quite some time. I saw that they, since they were teenagers, they had known each other. Danny was actually best friends with Richard's sister, Christine. And so they've known each other for a long time. I don't know if they, I think I saw like some reports that they dated as teenagers or in high school or like kind of saw each other, but nothing serious. And then when she had separated from her husband, they had reconnected. Richard was 35 and living in Philadelphia. He worked at his family-owned bakery, and he actually had one child, a teenage daughter, who was 14 at the time. He was definitely described as a loving father. His daughter had primarily lived with him since she was three, but had recently moved in with her mother not far from him and would see him obviously often, but her main residence was with her mom. Later on, Richard's daughter actually would describe Danielle as the first woman he was serious about that she could ever remember. However, Danielle had recently taken a step back from their relationship. She had wanted to focus on her job and her son more. And although she really liked Richard, she asked if, you know, she could kind of take a step back and they could slow things down or put things on hold, basically, to make sure she had her priorities straight. Some accounts I saw, like, her husband ex-husband was trying to rekindle things as well but she was definitely not interested in pursuing that like I said just wanted to kind of make sure her priorities were aligned Richard was definitely sad about this from all accounts but he had decided it was best to give Danielle her space he really liked her and didn't want to push things again they've known each other for most of their lives at this point despite not seeing each other for the last few weeks, Richard had reached out and had text Danielle and asked if she'd be interested in meeting up for a couple of drinks. Her son was with his father for the weekend, so she decided, you know, why not? I have the time. I don't need a babysitter. I'd love to hang out. So on Saturday, February 19th in 2005, Danielle's evening started by going out to dinner with her mother Christine and Christine and Richard's mother. So the four women went out, had a good time for dinner, a couple drinks, and then Christine dropped Danielle off at a bar near Richard's apartment where the couple would meet up. From here, they went to Abilene's Bar and Restaurant on South Street in Philly, where they met up with another couple for drinks and listening to some live music. I looked it up because I wanted to see like the restaurant and everything, but it has since closed I mean it makes sense it's been almost 18 years now but I was just curious some reports said it was like a Tex-Mex restaurant so I really wanted to see what it looked like yum I know our fave that is always (laughs) it's always interesting though like when it there's like a restaurant or a bar involved because I always try to do that too like to see if it's still open or like what the theme was what are the vibes that are yeah like the vibe (laughs) yep was it like a like I was trying to see like okay is it like a corner bar is it like a local watering hole like I'm picturing like a shameless bar but then it was like Ooh. bar and restaurant Tex-Mex like okay maybe it's like a little nicer I don't know 
But I tried to look it up and couldn't find anything. <laughs> Darn. Oh, just a few reports I did see actually said, like, you know, the bar was, and bar and restaurant was pretty busy, despite it being, like, a very cold, like, frigid February night. And any of us, like, in cold areas can account that mid-February is usually freezing. <laughs> so... I can definitely imagine, like, the cold, chilly air. Richard had commented he was really glad he found a parking spot close by because, surprisingly, the area was pretty busy. They ended up meeting up with Richard's close friend, Anthony, and his wife. And later on, that couple would say that both Richard and Danielle were seemingly very happy. They were holding hands and kissing that night and very much enjoying each other's company and, you know, reconnecting. At around 11.30, 11.45, the couple left the bar and decided to head back to Danielle's place in Mount Laurel. Richard was going to drop her off and t- just take her back home. Witnesses saw them walking on South Street toward Richard's 2001 Dodge pickup truck from the bar. After this, the couple would never be seen again. At 9 a.m. the next morning, Danielle's brother showed up to her house to fix some curtain rods for her, but when he arrived, there was no answer. He was, like, slightly concerned, but he called their mom, like, hey, tried to get a hold of Danielle, going straight to voicemail. I know you went to dinner last night. Like, did you know where she was going? Did she stay out? Like, what happened? And... Their mom was kind of like, oh, maybe she stayed out at Richard's. You know, they were going to the bar. Maybe she just stayed out that way. They weren't super concerned quite yet at that time. Danielle also had a hair appointment at 11 a.m. with her best friend, Christine, which was Richard's sister. It was definitely a red flag to Christine that Danielle did not show up. That was very unlike her. And when she tried to call her, again, straight to voicemail, no answer. She was getting, you know, Christine was getting a little worried, so she decided to also try Richard, thinking, oh, maybe she stayed at his place, but his phone also went straight to voicemail. Christine then called their mom, like, hey, have you talked to Richard today? Nothing. Okay, you know, maybe they slept in. Who knows? But they were noting that it was, like, pretty abnormal. Richard's mother was slowly, as the day progressing, progressed growing more concerned for not hearing her from her son. He was supposed to have friends over. I saw and watched the Daytona 500 that day. He was, like, super into NASCAR. But it was, like, midday when his friends were supposed to be there, and his mom was getting no answer, and his phone was going straight to voicemail. So that was, like, a big red flag. At this point, he she asked, her daughter Christine to stop by his apartment and see like hey maybe he's there and his phone's broken you know like who knows also it's 2005 so like that's a lot easier of an answer like oh his cell phone might be broken or something like that you know (laughs) his pager's off yeah like (laughs) what this I think was still pre or post pagers. I think not everyone had pagers in 2005, right? Not by much, though. <laughs> like, I didn't, I feel like phones weren't like super, at least for like myself, like super, super common, like until like middle school, which would have been like 2006, 2007 for me. 
Yeah, I mean, this might have been around the time where I got my first cell phone. Okay. To be honest. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I think I was in eighth grade at this time. <laughs> Not yeah. to date myself, but I got my first cell phone in eighth grade. So, and I mean, texting was very like I had a razor flip phone. <laughs> like that was the bare minimum. Texting just became a thing. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I just missed all the pager craze. My grandpa Barely. probably still had a pager at this time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, they were trying to get a hold of him. No answer. So Christine stopped by his apartment. She couldn't get him to answer the door. It didn't sound like anyone was inside. She could hear his dog barking, but there was no person to be found so she was kind of confused there and like I said families are starting to kind of get worried at this point Danielle's mother and Richard and Christine's mother they stayed in contact with each other hoping one of them would hear from the couple and unfortunately that didn't seem to happen Danielle's son was to be dropped off at five that evening by her ex but Danielle wasn't there to meet him her brother actually picked up his nephew and then knew at that point they needed to contact the police. According to Danielle's family, she would have never missed picking up her son. Since leaving the bar that evening, there has been absolutely no activity on either Danielle or Richard's cell phones or their bank accounts. Nothing has been touched. Their families were adamant the two would not just disappear especially not leaving their children behind, who they both were extremely close with. However, most missing persons cases, especially that of adults, unfortunately isn't taken seriously, at least not immediately, right? So they made that report, you know, five, six o'clock that evening. The couple hadn't even been missing for 24 hours. I'm sure, Sid, you're pretty familiar with that false rule that you can't report someone missing for 48 hours. Oh, yes. Uh, fun fact, I learned that is false. They recommend that because usually they're not going to look into it for 48 hours unless there's obviously proof of foul play. But mm. you can report someone missing. So if anyone I ever know goes missing and they try to tell me that, sh- I will lose it. <laughs> fake probably, news. It's fake news. But I'm sure that they still probably, like, give you a hard time. Like, are yes. you sure? Do you need to go look? Are they, could they run up be a runaway? Like, did they do this willingly? I feel like whether it's true or false, it's just one of those things that's like, I get you want to do it, but X, Y, Z. Yes. Bogus Stolo. No, I absolutely agree. Well, and the families reported both Danielle and Richard missing. However... They also decided to kind of take it into their own hands and start searching immediately because they knew the police weren't. So that next day, Richard's father and Danielle's brother drove around together up and down the streets of downtown Philadelphia looking for Richard's car. They were unsuccessful, so they decided to start searching every potential route the couple would have driven from the bar to Danielle's home, including each bridge from Philadelphia to New Jersey. That was also unsuccessful, and after 12 hours of the two of them driving around, they returned home feeling quite defeated. While these two men were driving around searching, both the mothers were also busy calling every hospital and jail in the surrounding area to no avail. 
the two women were hoping they would find some answers. Like in one interview, I literally saw like, you know, obviously a car accident or a DUI is not an ideal situation, but they were hoping that could have been it. Like that could have happened because then they'd at least, you know, know where they are and have some answers. Unfortunately, that also turned up nothing. When the police finally started looking into the case, they at first believed the couple ran off. You know, the black truck Richard owned couldn't be found, so it really made the most sense. They also didn't find any evidence of foul play anywhere. The families knew better, though. One, nothing was missing from either of their homes that they could easily tell, especially nothing of value. Their bank accounts weren't touched, and yet again, those families really decided to take matters into their own hands. They began searching the airport parking lots, the train station lots, looking for Richard's truck, and again, nothing. They began hanging up posters and passing out flyers at motels, restaurants, gas stations. They went to the nearby sporting arenas and were handing out flyers at sporting events when they would people would be entering and leaving. They ended up going to rest stops all around and all up and down the interstate. Anything, you name it. The couple eventually covered an area of a 100-plus mile radius within the city. That's insane. Like, dedication right there. That's super crazy. That's a lot of space covered. Yeah, well, and you can tell that this family, like, obviously truly cared and really put their time and effort into this. Yeah, they really believed that it wasn't just, you know, a runaway or that they did this on purpose for sure. Exactly. Detectives would end up using a helicopter to search the aerial view of the Delaware River looking for Richard's truck with no luck. That's the second time in my notes I realized I have rhymed jail in a veil and truck in luck. Just had to point that out. <laughs> that was That's so funny. weird. <laughs> That's really funny. They would also search hours of surveillance footage from the cameras on the bridges into New Jersey looking to spot Richard's truck to maybe have, you know, a better idea of a time frame or anything like that. But it never appeared, which means the couple never even made it that far. A month after they disappeared, the families announced a $50,000 reward for information leading to their safe return. Billboards were placed all along the highways in Philadelphia, which resulted in new tips coming in, but none would help the couple be found. There's those billboards again for us. They're everywhere. Literally. Any tips would slowly dry up, and all leads, although investigated, weren't leading anywhere concrete. In 2008, the FBI officially began investigating the disappearance as a potential murder-for-hire crime, but no suspects were ever named. In fact, a special agent said in an interview, a 3,000-pound truck and two individuals simply don't disappear without a trace, which, I mean, I agree. That's definitely a red flag. In 2015, the FBI relaunched the investigation with their cold case division. A press conference was held, and it was noted that although they had received some good leads, 
they were asking the public to come forward with information and try to follow something new. You know, this is our whole, someone has to know something, right? During this press conference, they also said the leads already provided made the investigators almost positive it was a murder-for-hire plot, and one individual was not working alone to commit this crime, but nothing further was divulged. What? Uh, yeah, I have no idea what that even means. All they're basically saying is, oh, yeah, all these tips came in, and we're, like, almost certain it was murder-for-hire, but, like, that's all we're going to tell you. That's dumb. Yeah, that's which is wild. sketchy. <laughs> Like, that they're able to come to the conclusion, you know, it's a murder for hire, but this is all. Like, where are you coming up with this information? I mean, obviously, probably your tips, but I need more. Literally, same. In 2016, an investigation into a doctor and a motorcycle club that brought down an illegal drug ring showed potential to investigators as possibly having ties to Richard and Danielle's murder. The Pagan Motorcycle Club had nine members arrested, and one of them was interviewed extensively, but denied having murdered anyone. I think there was, like, lie detectors, like, multiple interviews with FBI agents, and, like, nothing came to fruition. Richard's family and friends were very adamant. He had absolutely no ties to organized crime, so they have no idea how this came up. And in one of the articles I found, actually, in, like, the sources, it literally says they have no idea why it was linked to this club. Like, I, if it was, they had proof, nothing was ever explained. That's so weird. I don't like that. I hate it when they just leave it, like, me. Oh, yeah, we have this information, but we're not going to tell you anything. I'm, like, just hitting my head over here. Come on. Why does it have to You're be like, like this? Uh, okay, what's that even mean? <laughs> Seriously. In 2021, the Philly Police Department, New Jersey State Police, Mount Laurel Police Department, and the Burlington County Prosecutor's Office all confirmed this case was still being investigated and actively worked on. It was confirmed there have been a lot of more promising leads, but at the time, neither person or the car has ever been located. The FBI has never released why they think the couple was targeted in a murder-for-hire plot. Extensive background checks were done on both Danielle and Richard with nothing coming up. There was no debts. Like, they they both had decent bank accounts with, like, nothing in debt. There was no gambling histories. No criminal activity of any kind linked to their background. So literally nothing that would be a red flag for a murder-for-hire plot. Danielle's ex-husband, Joe, was also looked at extensively, but he was never named a person of interest and had a rock-solid alibi the night of the disappearance, including being at a party with several NYPD police, like NYPD officers present. It's also important to note that Danielle's ex-husband or estranged husband that she was separated from, Joe, left several threatening voicemails on Richard's phone previously to leave Danielle alone. And so he was looked into quite a bit. Like I said, never named a person of interest, never named as a suspect, but nothing ever came of this either. 
it is absolutely believed by law enforcement that the couple was targeted. But beyond that, nothing else is known. Like I said, their bodies, Richard's truck, and any of their other belongings that were on them at the time of their disappearance was never found. And there was never any physical crime scene or proof of foul play at all. In March of 2022, a private search and recovery dive team known as Adventures with Purpose announced that they were actively working on this case. They said they received a tip from a man who said there was a certain area in the waters that they could probably find clues to the couple's disappearance, which seems sketch. But the gr- group looked into several parts of the Delaware River, not for not far from where the couple was last seen, and it provided nothing. They were not going to be deterred, though. They said in a Facebook video that was posted that they were done with the search for the year 2022, but they would revisit it again the next year. So this year, we may have more updates eventually if they do continue to search because this group, who's based in Oregon, said they they actually have like a very successful history in like what they do. According to their website and the article I found, in just the fall of 2021, they found 11 of the 36 missing persons they were tasked to search into, which like obviously it's not even a 50% rate, but that's still a really successful amount of people that they found. That's super successful. Yes. That's super. That's why. That's just wild to me. All around wild that this is what they're doing. I mean, they found multiple. They find multiple sets of human remains constantly and help solve disappearances quite often. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it was linked to this case or if they were searching the Delaware River for something else. But in that area, they found human remains that were dated back to 2003, and at the time of the article was, like, being investigated as another missing person. This is crazy. Yeah, isn't that wild? I'm, this is another group that I'm going to have to, like, go on a deep dive of and, like, look into because I've never heard of this, and that's wild. No. No, and, like, I know that there's people that obviously, like, do that or, like, you know, they have their own companies, organizations, like, that they go out and they're searching for people, like, on their own and, like, their individual investigation task force, whatever you want to call it. But I guess I've never actually heard or, like, seen specific ones. So I feel like I want to look into this, Same. Yeah, I was very intrigued. It's super interesting. So... I have a couple fun facts, and then I have, like you had last week episode, I have something else I want to leave on different note. Uh, but there's all sorts of theories about why the couple may have been killed or disappeared. So theories include being killed over gambling debts, the couple running off together, or possibly even going off the road or bridge into the waterways. But none of these really seem likely, at least to the families. Richard's family said he despised gambling. Danielle has no history of gambling either. Both of them were extremely close with their children and wouldn't have left them. And the waterways were searched quite a bit with no evidence turning up that they were there. So 
Not really sure what other possibilities there could be besides that, I guess, murder for hire, but found it really interesting that kind of all these major theories can be debunked in certain ways. This was featured on an episode of Disappeared, Season 8, Episode 11, if you're interested. And there are several podcasts that have covered this already. I actually have previously listened to the Crime Junkie episode, but it came out, you know, a couple years ago. So I was going to re-listen. I just ran out of time. The couple obviously would not look the same from when they disappeared almost 18 years ago. But there are a few distinct features that can be looked for that I wanted to talk about before we end or, you know, move on. Danielle did have a gap between her two front teeth and she had a tattoo of flowers on her lower back. Richard had a tattoo of his daughter's name, Angela, on his left bicep and a tattoo of several clowns on his right bicep. Richard's truck, that is also still missing, was a black four-door 2001 Dodge Dakota pickup truck. It had a NASCAR number 99 sticker in the rear window and a Pennsylvania license plate number of YFH2319. If you have any information about either Richard or Danielle, you can contact the FBI Philadelphia office at 215. 218-4000. Or the Philadelphia Police Department at 215-686-3013. That was what I wanted to end on, but I actually have one more fun fact (laughs) that I forgot to include. And it's how I heard about this case. Yes, please share. Okay. So, because obviously I said it was a crime junkie episode. I have listened to that like years ago, but sometimes it's so hard to remember when you listen to like 17 million different podcasts. I have had this on my list for a while. And the reason I've had this on my list is because my godmother lives in the Philadelphia area and she has seen the billboards. She actually, really? yeah, so she had suggested the case and I had looked it up a while back and had it added it to my list. I mean, probably like six months to a year ago to look into eventually and cover. And she had said, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it's one of those cases. There's billboards all over Philadelphia about it. And like there's still billboards. If I mean, I'm assuming if she just told you. Yes, there are still billboards everywhere. That's crazy. Yeah, that I mean, it's insane to me. And I mean, that's still getting the word out because look, that's, I mean, word of mouth, it was passed along to me. And that's how I found this case. It's very interesting. It's definitely still getting the word out for sure. They're probably still getting tips from it. And it's, I mean, it's passing from state to state now at this point. If somebody's telling you in a whole other state about it, which is crazy. It's also one of those things that I do want to say. It really bothers me, or, like, this is me losing more sleep at night, when there's a vehicle involved that they never find. Like. Never you- found. And it's not some little, like, rinky-dink, like, electric no. car. Key- no, this is, like, a big pickup truck that just also disappeared. Like, that's a big item to just disappear into thin air. So it's got to be, like, somewhere in something 
under something. It's crazy. I absolutely agree. The only thing I can think of is it also could have gone to a chop shop. I guess that's true, but depending on, like, what I think, you would think that they would do better of, like, looking into that stuff, but also if it's, what, 2005, like, records and stuff are going to be a little bit different unless they're looking into it right away or if it got chopped right away. I don't know. I guess I don't know. I also don't really know how that works, but that was just my suggestion. <laughs> no, and I, and I don't, that's why I was like, I don't know, I don't know, because I don't know how it works either, but, like, you'd think that they would have better, like, that they would have records of it, and, like, that would be something that the police or FBI or whoever would assumingly, like, look into, because that would be, like, an obvious place for it, I would think, but I don't know how that works, so I'm not 100% positive on that either. Yeah, I have literally no idea. Well... Hopefully we'll get uh, some answers in the near future. If we still got people out here looking and spreading the word, hopefully there'll be more good tips and that organization that's looking, maybe they'll come across something. Yeah, so I'll also keep my eye open if they do another search this year. That could be interesting. Yeah, hopefully we'll have an update. Well, do you want to move on and give us some jokes and facts? I would be honored. We, I say fact first. <laughs> you know, the usual, <laughs> the typical. Mexico is the birthplace of hot chocolate. The Aztecs reportedly drank a bitter chocolate mixture made from cacao seeds mixed with spices. That is extremely interesting, and I would have never guessed that. <laughs> yeah, it was like in a mixture of things and I was like okay this is actually really interesting and maybe it it somewhat goes with the theme but I was like this is actually really interesting so we're just gonna throw it out there we need any fact we can get at this point yeah I feel like that was a very solid fact I very much appreciate that it's a good one (laughs) maybe one you could do something with exactly (laughs) I'm gonna tell people that one And a joke that has nothing to do with the theme whatsoever, but it was a funny dad joke, I felt, and it did give me a little giggle. That's okay, I'm here for it. (laughs) What do you call a well-balanced horse? What? Stable. I could have, I should have even tried (laughs) to guess that one. Oh, I sh- I don't think it was a hit with the crowd again, if you heard it. <laughs> Le- Levi's upset also. He's like, not good. Not good. <laughs> I think that's why I was upset, too, because it was, like, one of those pages where you had to scroll down, like, so it gives you the joke, and then you have to, like, scroll down past a picture. So you do kind of have, like, a second to think about what the answer might be. And I scrolled down, and I was like, damn, why didn't I think of that? But then I, like, laughed to myself. I was like, it wasn't that bad. That's one that I'm, like, really disappointed I should have just guessed. Yes. Uh, you always Whack. gotta guess. <laughs> Maybe one day you'll get it. Maybe. <laughs> well, folks, you can... Oh, hold on. I gotta try and get him to not cry while I do this. <laughs> well, folks, you can find us on Facebook at Tacos and Tequila Podcast. On Instagram at Just Tacos and Tequila. We also have a website, tacosandtequiliapodcast.com, has links to all of our episodes on Spotify, as well as all of our sources and summaries of each episode. 
And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a rating and or review. This helps us get noticed, helps people find our podcast, and it's really cool to see what you guys like about each episode. I agree. Great to always see the feedback, so we appreciate it. And I think that is nothing else that I am missing. That's all. Sweet. Then we will talk to you folks next week. Bye. Bye. Ha 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 ha!